God, when we think about who it is you've called us to be, sometimes generosity isn't the first thing that comes to mind. And yet we know that the church, like any other organization we're a part of, gets an electric bill, a water bill, pays staff and those who come in to make repairs. And Lord, we also know that you love a joyful giver for whom it is not a burden, but a joyful opportunity to participate in what you're doing. Give us all a spirit of generosity, recognizing what we have from you. The food that we ate this morning, the shelter that we have in the cold winter rain, a car that actually is faithful to get us from point A to point B, jobs, some of which we thoroughly enjoy and others of which we might not so much enjoy, but we see that you have given us the ability to work and to be people who can support ourselves and our families through what you have made available to us. And so may we remember your generosity and may we be generous people in action May we be generous people who look to you, to your open hand, for your blessings and your sustenance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel lesson today, which comes from Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, by the way, might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that as they are joined together today, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. We don't much like change. I remember the first time I drove up to the McDonald's drive through and the recorded voice asked me, Will you be using the mobile app today? The first time, it didn't bug me so much. But about the 16th time, I just wanted to scream before the recorded voice said anything, No! And then I thought to myself, what if I did use the, the, the mobile app? And so I downloaded the mobile app. And I can get 20% off any time. And lots of free things. And so the change wasn't nearly as bad as I imagined that it was going to be. And I actually got something from it. I've got an Android phone. And you know every now and then it tells you major Android update. Update now or update during sleeping hours. Well, I don't like for my phone to be doing something while I'm asleep. So I always update now, and sometimes it takes, you know, five minutes, and sometimes it takes 25 minutes, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm probably going to hate the changes they've made between this version and the last version. And for about a day, I despise anything that's different. What was wrong with the way it was? But you know, if I try it out a little while... I think to myself, you know, that's actually pretty handy. I can schedule an email now. I couldn't do that before. I can theoretically schedule, you know, when I, when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning and can't sleep and I, I type out a text message. I don't want to send anybody a text message at 2.30 in the morning, but I can, I can hold it down and set it to send at 7.17 a.m., now, whether it actually sends at 7, 17 a.m. is a topic for another conversation. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But we don't always like change. And it doesn't take us long to get into a routine. Youth, for example. If the youth decided this year to go to a winter blitz... And halfway between here and Winter Blitz, they got Frosties at Wendy's. It would become a thing. And next year, we always get Frosties halfway between Centenary and Winter Blitz in Louisville. It doesn't take long for us to get into the kinds of patterns that we find ourselves in. And if we don't watch out... We will live our lives on a kind of autopilot that is preventing us from enjoying what God places before us. 
So here we have a map. You know how I love maps. This is zoomed in on the northern part of Israel. Um, the drum set down here, Jerusalem, is the drum set. Uh, then we've got the, the Dead Sea down here. The Jordan River goes up. The Sea of Galilee. And we've got the hometown of Jesus, Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is about 25 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. And Nazareth is about 20 miles from Capernaum. What we have here is this change in location, this change in ministry, this change in focus that Jesus is accomplishing by, by changing his point of origin. First of all, there's a change in circumstances. Jesus has been baptized by John way down, down south of where that map was. And after Jesus has been baptized by John, remember, we're only four chapters into Matthew's gospel, so Jesus has been baptized, and then the Spirit has led him out into the wilderness. And by wilderness, I don't mean something like the woods that we know in Kentucky. The wilderness is a dangerous place and yet a place where people often go to, to find God. And Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And then John, who's just baptized Jesus, is arrested. So, so John has been active down in the Jordan River area around Jerusalem, up and down around Jerusalem. And, and, and he is arrested and the ministry of Jesus begins. And make no mistake, there is a link between the ministry of John and the ministry of Jesus. Here's what John goes around saying. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Do you recognize that from our text today? where once John has been arrested and Jesus is making this change, so the focus is now on Jesus and what he's doing in the world. Jesus himself, from that time, began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, repentance is an interesting concept. Repentance is not just about being sorry for what we've done. Those who are in 12-step programs will know that it's not enough to identify what has gone wrong. But making amends, turning around and changing, whatever it is that we are enslaved to, we give to God and we're enslaved to that no more. Whatever it is that we're fighting, and, and we may still fight it, but we fight it with God at our side, not while running from God. The message of John and the message of Jesus, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, involves both a sorrow for that which we do which offends God, and also a turning, a turning. So we've got this change, not just of circumstances, but we have an actual change in location. 
we have once again this change in location from Nazareth to Capernaum. Capernaum is very proud today to be the town of Jesus. This is the gate going into Capernaum. It's not really a town in any particular sense that we would consider a town now. It's an archaeological site. But it's an archaeological site that's amazing because in Capernaum we see things like the synagogue at Capernaum where Jesus walked. Now the the light-colored stone there is not the stone that Jesus walked upon. But about eight inches beneath that is a dark-colored foundation which does contain the stones that Jesus walked upon. Jesus goes from Nazareth to Capernaum. Jesus goes. Have you ever noticed in the Bible how many people go? God says to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, Go! from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house. And Abram is not given geographical coordinates. Go to the land which I will show you. Someplace you don't even know now. I just want you to be on the move to glorify me. God says to Jonah, go, and Jonah goes the other way. He gets swallowed by a fish and with seaweed wrapped around his head, emerges from the Mediterranean Sea, and God says to him again, go. And the second time he goes where he's supposed to. Amos, the prophet in Israel, God has said to him in Judah in the south, go. And the people up north say, no, you go back to where you came from. We don't want to hear you. Don't ever prophesy at the king's palace anymore, the, the king's temple anymore. Go. Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. From Bethlehem to Egypt. From Egypt back up to Nazareth. They go. They are on the move. There is change. There is not this static life. Now, there's something to be said for a life that is boring for all the right reasons. But there's something to be said for the call of God who says, go. And the disciples of Jesus, they leave their nets, they leave their father If Jesus is not a rabbi of great standing, if Jesus is not a person that people would be honored to associate with, then what they have done in leaving their father is unforgivable. But they go. They go and they follow the one who has called them. They go. Now, note the significance of where Jesus goes from Nazareth to Capernaum. We've got what's essentially kind of a, an international border here between the Jewish side and the Gentile side. And first of all, notice that he calls fishermen. How does he call fishermen? He couldn't have called fishermen in Nazareth. 
He has to be up here at the Sea of Galilee to find Andrew and Peter, James and John. He wouldn't even know these people if it weren't for him going to the place where God had called him to reside. This, this border here, think about when you go back and forth through Canada and go through customs. Why do you think Matthew, the tax collector, is, is there at Capernaum? He's there because it's a border. It's a place where people come through and pay their taxes. If Jesus hadn't gone, how would he have found Peter and Andrew, James and John, and Matthew? This change of location is, is important. I think about a change of location. My parents and Melinda's parents would just love it if we had settled down in South Carolina or North Carolina. It would be so much closer to them. I wouldn't know any of you if I had settled there. And I love you. And I hope you love me at least a little bit in return. A little tiny bit. My best friends that I've made in the last 30 years are because I got up and I went. Jesus said to James and John, come, follow me. And they came and they followed him. There's a change of circumstances. There's a change of location. There's a change of their whole lives. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And never was their life the same again afterwards. For no longer were they fishermen. They were disciples of Jesus, apostles, they were those that God would mightily use and who would give their lives for faith in Jesus. So what needs to change in your life? What needs to change? Is there a, a location that needs to change? Maybe you have been working in the same place for 17 years and it is killing your soul. Maybe you need to begin to pray that the Lord would open another door for change. Maybe what you're doing, you felt good about early on in life. But in the last four or five years, you've started to see that what you're doing isn't as honest as you would like for your life to be. And maybe your vocation needs changing. Or maybe you've fallen into some awful habits. The pandemic has just made awful habits ubiquitous, everywhere, they're all over. Alcoholism has soared. 
use of pornography is higher than it's ever been. Despite the fact that people have spent much of the last few years at home together, kind of squished in, that showed some people they didn't much like being together, being squished in. You know how it is when two people retired. You know, they're, they're great as long as they see each other for three or four hours at night. But every day, every day, all day long, you have to get used to it. You have to learn to live together in harmony and unity. But the habits, what habits are you in that you know God would have you address? What about your, your lifestyle? Is your lifestyle one? I mean, it's one thing to be a frat guy at age 21. But it's awfully sad if you're a frat guy at age 41. It's one thing to have a particular happy-go-lucky lifestyle where you're not tied down to anything when you're 22 or 23 years old and, and just getting your foot into adulthood. But if, if you haven't settled in some way by 42 or 43, something needs to change. What about the focus of your life? What are you living for? Your next meal? That Netflix series to come out that you've been waiting on now for two months? Going to bed at night? You've got a comfortable bed. What are you living for? And what would it mean for you to live for Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God who gave himself for us? What would it mean for you to live for the one who, who wants to hold you and bring you up into the life of the Trinity? What would it mean to live for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We don't always like change. But sometimes change is necessary. In your life, what change do you need to make so that God may be glorified in you and through you and in the world because of you? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray together.